Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Look who's back. I'm back, baby. Finally. Needed a little help with my mental well-being. Which is good. Yeah. It was absolutely rough. Yes. But it's okay to not be okay and to admit it. I had to go through it. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is, but it, it helped and it got my medication all, yep. f- all figured out, got my blood sugar back to where it should be, yeah. my blood pressure back to where it, it's supposed to be. I see a noticeable difference. Yeah. I mean, noticeable but difference. No so. joke. I mean, it was like prison in there. And I mean, I was with guys from prison, mm-hmm. so just crazy that we all got along, you know, guys from the West Side of chicago guy, mm-hmm. guys from the south side the literally one guy that though, i dealt with as a police officer which is hilarious yeah and he was cool he didn't tell anyone i was the police did he recognize you yes he oh did. no shit yeah he stared at me for about a half an hour when i first oh, came like, in fuck. yes that's why the first two days when i called you i was struggling bad yeah. i didn't know what was gonna happen shit and they had one security guard up there on oh, our yeah. end what's he gonna do uh, they had a few <laughs> for the juveniles that yeah. were across the hall and they fought every fucking night yeah every fucking night i could hear him yeah and those kids they give them pl- like a playstation up there what they gave them a foosball table we had nothing our tv broke the first night oh my god i literally stared out the window for hours i can't even tell you how long just fucking hours that's all i could do was sit in a wheelchair they though uh had like the best idea for a group therapy idea yeah they had karaoke night yeah you had to pick a song that related to you and your life and your feelings and that's how you got it out which i think is amazing and like i thought like i kind of laughed because i'm thinking okay these gangbangers are gonna fucking like and they were amazing. They were fucking amazing. The the dude, like the homeless dude that was with me, my roommate who was, uh, you know, a heroin mm-hmm. addict. It, music brought us all together. We and, were fucking singing yeah. like you wouldn't believe, and it was it, it was awesome. And the songs were very fitting. You, yeah. you played me some of the songs. They were very. Do you want to know fitting. what my song was? Yeah, Metallica one. Because oh. it's explaining us like a soldier that yeah. went through war and he lives with PTSD. Oh. So that was my song. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And it was funny, like, looking at the gangbangers, like, rocking out yeah. and stuff. But, yeah, the, it was a good therapy session. So it, I think it, I think it did you good. Yeah, we did that twice and then... You know, the other group therapies. You, you had some people, the younger kids. I shouldn't say younger kids, but younger guys that were there just to fuck around. Right. But then you had us older, like the older group of us that were there. For a reason. Yeah. And we, you know, we took it serious and we got got along. And mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean, I'm no joke. It's set up like Cook County Jail. Yeah. That's the way it's de- designed after. And that's... um. One of the nicer ones in yeah. the state. <laughs> yeah. to, to be honest with you, that's, I mean, that's 100% one of the nicer ones in the state. Yeah. Oh, the so, guys talked about the other ones. Yeah. Like Jackson Park. Oh, and, yeah. No. Mm-mm. I mean, unfucking real the shit I heard. Yeah. But. I'm glad you said something, though, because I wasn't going to 
say why you were gone. I just said you were under the weather, but no, it's, it's, I'm glad you did because it it it's a stigma and it shouldn't be. Right. It it's an illness and it's no different of an illness that you can see. It's no different of an illness than cancer. It's an illness and it needs right. to be treated. And it needs to be treated in specific ways with specific medications. And sometimes it takes a really long fucking time to figure out what's going to work for you. And, and you have some breakdowns along the way. Yeah, and I have quite a it's few. It's okay, though. It's okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes okay you got to take that help. break. Yeah, to, to get your head together. And it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You know? As long as you do something about it, right. though. Right, right. Because then it's not okay to be okay. Right. But admitting that you need help is huge. Yeah. And for you, was huge. Because yeah. you... I, I knew something was going but, on. And you I mean, didn't really understand the help that you needed. No. I knew what the place was going to be like when you went. I didn't tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll never go through it again. Mm-mm. You know, I, I know in ways I'll, I'll get help now, but that's yeah. definitely not... But it's it. different now. Because now you realize it. Yeah. You you understand it a little bit more. And I didn't I didn't beat around the bush when the social worker called me. Yeah. I didn't tell her what she said that I told her, but I, I was very honest and said, Listen, he knows what to say to get out. You need to keep that in mind when you talk to him. Yeah. So I mean fuck, we've been doing this long enough. I know. We know what to say to get in, we know what to say to get out. Yeah. So Yeah, the first day first two days were fucking hell yeah hell on earth and then as long then once we got our tv back you know yeah. and then like in the groove and then just knowing the different staff there were like the overnight nurse was on top of everything yeah then the day one was as slow as could be didn't know what she was doing so then that's you know i'd call you and i'd be i'd be fucked up because mm-hmm. i hadn't had my medication now, are they nurses <coughs> are they actual nurses so there's one nurse on the floor, yeah, and then there's like a bunch of CNAs. I gotcha. Okay, but the CNAs are also counselors. Oh, they make them. They make them go to school to, to be a counselor, so they could host They're group therapy. Dual, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. So a couple of them were just there for a paycheck, and yeah. then there were a couple other ones that I made friends with that you know, really gave a fuck. Yeah. You know. I feel like you, you have to. Oh, you definitely do. You know? And you I you do. have to understand it on a different level than a lay person. Yeah. To be able to, to not deal with the people, but to be able to relate to them. Yeah. Essentially, you know? But it, it was bad, especially just because I'm in a wheelchair and they didn't have accommodations for me. That's what made it so bad, too. You know, so like going to the bathroom, I really But struggled. we learned. Yeah, I, I could get off the toilet now. We learned, learned a couple things that he could be a little more independent than he thought he could because yeah. he was scared. And which I had to. It, it there was no sense. one there to help me. Yeah. You know, the only thing I couldn't do was shower, which absolutely sucked. Because a couple times I went through withdrawal and yeah. I was sweating like crazy and yeah. just sitting in my sweat. You know, it's fucking terrible. I don't think anybody minded. No, we all were doing the same thing. I mean, they had the people shower, but you wore the same clothes. What? Yeah. So you're putting on dirty clothes. You know, and they never gave me the opportunity to be like, you can bring him 
shorts and a t-shirt. I couldn't. You're not allowed to wear anything that shows skin. That's what you're saying. So put you in a fucking hospital gown. Mm -hmm. That's what I wore every day. I don't know. No. But you're home. I'm home now. You slept. I feel good. Oh, yeah. That... I hadn't slept the I, the entire time yeah. there because I'm used to sleeping in a recliner at right. home, you know, as you know, and then there it, it's a cot. Yeah. That's it. So I got pillow. some sleep. I haven't slept the whole week either. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the one piss thing I was uh, about my stay was they let someone with COVID up there. And that was, we all found out, we, someone overheard him talking to the nurse. Oh, I was wondering how you found out. That's how we found out. And then we confronted them and it was bullshit because they're like, no, 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 we can't say anything. It's HIPAA. We're like, dude, we heard him say, right. He's asymptomatic. He should be positive. Put him on another fucking floor. Yeah. They didn't. They, they fucking kept him up there. You know, they're just like, just if you're worried, wear a mask. So helpful. That was bullshit. Yeah. But. I mean, it's it's prison, and you're in there with, with I was in there with gangbangers that I arrested, and mm-hmm. but we all got along. Like it's from we're from all different areas. You're all there and, for the same purpose. Yeah, we us older group. We yeah. we got it got together, you know. But the younger guys, we would tell them to shut up. Yeah, you know. And then you heard the fight when I was on mm-hmm. the phone. Yeah, <laughs> the dude was hilarious. He got touched by. Another female. And was not no. happy. I will fucking stab you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and literally all I wanted to say was like, same dude. Same. Yeah. I'm same. trying to tell you I miss you and I love you. That's in the <laughs> and background. That's what I hear. And then you you start fucking laughing. Like, I want to be friends with that guy. I'm like, babe, I want to get out of here. <laughs> I was like, get his number. We need to hang out. In the first day, like I became friends with him in the first day, we're, you know, we're watching cops or whatever and we're all cheering for the bad guys, you know, and he looks at me, he's like, I fucking hate the police, man. I fucking hate them. Thank God. Like thinking, you're not like high and fucking tight anymore. And, I know. Cause that, I mean, that would have given you away. They thought I was a biker. The one. Counsel- I could see that. Yeah. The one yeah. counselor, she, uh, she was cool. She was from. Inglewood too. Did you tell her you can't ride a bike and you'd have to have training wheels? That's on what it? I told her. I yeah. said because she, like one of the first days, she's like, you know, Mark, you got a cool style too. You look like a cool dude, but like your style is just like different. You look like a biker or something. I'm like, not I even think close. Her name was Katrina or not Carissa. even close. I was like, dude, I, I can't ride a bike worth <laughs> my fucking. I can't even ride a bicycle. So. <laughs> I may look like it, but no, 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 no. no. I was oh like, I, I thank you for the compliment though. Like I try to be cool and mellow, but she's like, yeah, I like your style. See? That's cool. See? So yeah, that, that was my week. So that's where Mark was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a padded room. Um. Oh God. I. And I, the intake is like a. It, it, it's, it is. It's a well, and I told you why it's like that. Yeah. So. But that was a struggle too, yeah. Because they just they locked you in the room, mm-hmm. and I was down there for eight hours in intake, so I ended up pissing all over. Well, myself. and the reason they do that is because the worst part of withdrawal symptoms from, <clears throat> uh, you know, illegal substances is usually within the first eight to ten hours. That's when you're vomiting and yeah. you're incontinent and you're fighting, yeah. and you know, so. 
and a couple of them it makes were sense that they put you in a, and leave you there essentially because yeah. it's really for their own safety almost everyone there was abusing substances yeah. now the one the nurse it was funny the, the the first or second day when they drew my blood they came back and they're like you know you tested positive for marijuana and i'm like what what Okay, well, that's news to me. Cool. I didn't even know I was smoking. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what? I was like, apparently, I mean, yeah, I, I don't smoke, so I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. She's like, oh, no, that's someone else. I'm like, yeah. She's oh like, you're, you're positive for opiates. I'm like, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, that I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm She's well like, aware are you, of. Are you abusing them or what are you doing? I'm like, uh, no, it's all through a doctor. But <laughs> You should have been like my wife tries to get me to take more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, because you don't, you don't take any of the gummies or... No, not yeah. anymore. I did un- until they were giving me night terrors. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I took one last night for the first time. Because I won't take anything if you're not home in case they call. Yeah. So, it didn't matter. I was awake anyways. I would have fucking been awake. Um, so. Yeah, because phone calls were at specific times too. So, yeah. I was so nervous for you to like not answer and... Well, like, especially had, yesterday when I was, yeah, you had to pick me up. I had orientation. I, so, oh my yeah. God, I'm calling. They're like, you know, 12, the doctor's like 1230. You, you, you know, I'll have everything set for you. So I gave you a call like around 11 and you didn't answer. I'm I, like, yeah, oh my God, you better not fucking bail on me. <laughs> Babe. Oh, but not yeah. that that would have been funny, but it wouldn't have been funny. <clears throat> my throat's real dry today. Oh, it's real dry. Man, it was dry in there. Mm. All the snots, everyone fucking oh snot rocking. That's gross. Babe, it was... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't explain how bad it was. Like, my mind has already forgotten most of this day because mm-hmm. it was that bad. But it helped. But it helped, yeah. So, and uh, so I just, I opened the Patreon page and Mark yelled at me earlier. I, I do have several messages that I have to respond to. I apologize. I'm trash. <laughs> like, she is. I I I, I try. I, I told her to get on the Facebook page. I did get on the Facebook page. I made a post. An, yeah, and then, but you didn't answer any fucking messages. I, I didn't know there were any. You click on messages. Okay, I don't. Whatever. Because I, <laughs> I, like, I, I try. I try I, my fucking hardest. It's all right. I got back on there. I'll get back on there today. So I, I promise I will answer the messages on Patreon. And on Podbean. Yeah. But again, I'm trash. <laughs> and the people that know me are well aware of that. So they probably don't expect a response right away. Right. Because generally I respond in my head. Mm-hmm. And then three days later when they're like, what the fuck? I'm like, I answered you. And then I'm like, oh, cool. Forgot to hit send. Didn't hit send. Yeah. All right. So I apologize. It was, uh, it, it's been an interesting couple weeks. Yeah. It was an interesting week, to say the least. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sorry, baby. There's nothing to be sorry about. Don't ever apologize for it. But. It's something I needed, though. You did. Um, I would say on a lighter note, but it's not a lighter note, Meatloaf died. Yeah. And then, I like, know. three hours later, Louis Anderson died. Yeah. Fucking and then crazy. There was a third one. I can't remember who, because they come in three. Celebrity deaths come yeah. in three. Who the fuck was it? Well, I mean, so many have, over yeah. the past week, Bob Saget. Oh, yep. Yeah. So Bob Saget, we talked about, Leon, I think, I think talked about that yeah, one. Yeah, and Betty White, of course. We talked about that one. 
Man. Um, Sidney Poitier, he died. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then it was Meatloaf, Louis Anderson, and someone else I can't Man, remember. Man, it's just, it's been a wave. It comes in threes. So. Yeah. And Meatloaf died of COVID. Yeah. And I, on the news, they were saying he was against it. Yeah. He was against the vaccine, and then he ended up catching it. And yeah. And then going critical fairly quick. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not one, I'm not going to. I am one to argue about vaccines, but I'm not yeah, going. You are. <laughs> I'm not going to do it now. Yeah, you um, are. I'm. I'm obviously. I'm very pro-vaccine. Um, I work in the medical field. I see it, and I'm not just talking about the COVID vaccine. I'm talking about in general, but to each his own. And I say that because from what we've seen, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's sixty forty unvaccinated vaccinated that are getting this yeah. Omicron. Variant. And every every time I go to the hospital, they say the same thing. The people that are in the hospital are the unvaccinated. Yes, yes. They so all say the same th- thing. What we I so it's sixty forty unvaccinated versus vaccinated getting it, but the vaccinated people's cases are definitely less severe. I right. mean, they feel like shit. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying it, but it's definitely less severe. Yeah. Than, you know. So. Yeah. I don't know. And then, uh, what else? Oh, Leah took my spot. She did. Good for her. I was um, glad you guys did it. She cause... fucking cracked me up because she kept talking about one of our cases where Shelly Michael, where she killed her husband. Leah's yeah. like, I support her doing it again. And I was like, no, it was like a like a bad thing. Like, she shouldn't have done it. And Leah's right. like, I support women's rights and I support women's, women's wrongs. Put that on a t-shirt. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But then she did give everybody a lesson about when to eat bread <laughs> and drinking. So, you know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm I figured it was a good one out. to put her on because, you know, it wasn't like a horrific axe. No, murder. and it's something that she's going to be dealing with in the, in the next couple of years. Right, which is what we talked know. about at the end. You know, yeah. I'm like, listen, if, if you or... Because her friend, she has a lot of friends, actually, that, oh, that yeah. listen to us. Yeah. Um, so, and that are that age. Yeah. So I was like, guys, if, if you're at a fucking party and you're in too deep, call me. Yeah. I'll come get you. And Leah's like, she's literally done it before. Yeah. So. I mean, because why bullshit around? Right. right. They're, they're we know what's drink. happening. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. We, we all did it. Right. Exactly. Do you either want it hidden or, hey, mom, dad. I'm fucked I, up. Come I, get me. I, I'm fucked up. I don't know what right. to do. Right. And I, listen. I'll come get you. Yeah. Call me. Yeah. We, one of her friends called me at three o'clock in the morning to come get her because she was lost and scared, didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get grounded, but But, you're going to fucking live to see another day. You're going to be safe and grounded. Right. So, you know, got dark in here really quick. Yeah, it did. Wow. It did. Glad I lit all the seance candles. I know. We should play a meatloaf song and see what happens. And I would do anything. I knew you were gonna say that. I did download Dash by, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, which is probably the best meatloaf song ever. Never heard of it. Ever? No. Wait, what the fuck? No. The meatloaf song I was just singing. That's is that the, the only one you've ever heard? It's the only one I've ever heard. Because he wasn't like in rock and roll for thirty plus years. Right. <laughs> God. He's more classic rock, and I'm not. He is. Yeah, he is more classic you, you rock. You know I'm not that classic no, rock. No, you're not. I am. Yeah. You're not. You're more than I am. Yeah. Um. No, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights is funny. It's a funny song. Hmm. So, 
whatever. Cool. So we do have new Patreons. Okay. Um, and I know the last time you and I recorded, which was like two and a half weeks ago, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. Um, it was two weeks when Leah and I recorded. So um, no, it was this week. No, no, no. I'm saying when Leah and I recorded, it had been two weeks since we recorded. Oh, okay. So um, I'm not, I'm just going to start where I think I left off. So if I say your name twice, I'm sorry. Um, Kimberly, she is a patrolman. Amy is a lieutenant, and I will answer your message today, I promise. Um, now, this woman's name, I'm going to pronounce it Leah, just because that's how it's spelled sometimes. So Leah slash Lee, whichever one it is, let me know, is a sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica, our Jessica. Oh, okay. She's a lieutenant, and her email address is fucking hilarious. It's Jessica Messica. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And then Tina, who is a sergeant. Thank you, Tina. So, and I, I do see that in the messages, I do have some requests. So Ooh. I feel like I can't say that fucking word. Um, what? Re- request. Requests. Request. Yeah. Um, no, we. By we, I mean me, did not change the battery in the smoke detector. Oh, my yeah. God. Dear Lord, here we Shut go. Up. You up. Well, that's crazy because I haven't even noticed it. You haven't? No. Oh. I, I will tonight when I'm going to bed No, I'll change it when we're done. Okay. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. No. I like Thanks to for pre- playing, though. I like to pretend, though. So, yeah. <laughs> whatever. So. Pretend your wifely duties. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Changing... Uh, Ladies, changing the battery in the smoke detectors is generally the man's duty. If you would like me to get on a fucking ladder with my fucking you legs don't that have don't to. work. You're tall enough to reach it, the one that's going off. All right, well, then I'll fucking, I'll, I'll do it. You and are if a I fall, fucking you liar. Okay. You're a liar. Okay. I will do it. But you are tall enough to reach it. Okay. So, talk to me about fucking wifely duties. <laughs> Make me a sandwich. I fucking did last night. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I made you a bologna sandwich last night. Oh, yeah, you did. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, babe. Dick. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Yes, I did. God, you're a jerk face. Uh, Well, we better get started on this because we're already like 20, almost 25 minutes. Oh, and this one's kind of long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm actually drinking coffee. Believe it or not. No monster? Uh, no, I have coffee right now. Coffee and water. Mm. Not that there's not 12 monsters in the fridge. But I know. Yeah. I know. Um, okay, so today is a request. It's a Sarah request. Mm-hmm. It is Dr. Christopher Dunst. I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm probably just going to try and call him Chris because I've heard his... Dutch. No, it's it's <clears throat> D-U-N-S-T-C-H. So it's like Dunst. Yeah. But... I'm not going to be able to it's pronounce that more than fucking twice. Dr. So. D. Just call um, him Dr. Death. They do call him Dr. Death. Um, that is his uh, nickname. Yeah, just call him that. Um, this guy's, he's a fucking sociopath. So. <coughs> yeah, he is. All right. So from 2011 to 2013, dozens of patients from the Dallas area woke up from their surgeries in horrible pain with numbness and paralysis. A few didn't wake up. And it's all because of one man. Should I should I freak Sarah out right now? What? <laughs> so Dr. Death is a neurosurgeon. 
I'm going to see a neurosurgeon on Wednesday <laughs> for my brain surgery. Poor Sarah, when she requested this, it was right after we found out. And she's like, I'm like the asshole on a fucking asshole. Like, I'm <laughs> such a dick. And I was like, no, it's funny. Like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you gotta have fucking humor. Um, so, Christopher Daniel Dunst was born on April 3rd, 1971, in Montana, to parents Donald and Susan. He was the oldest of four, with two brothers, Nathan and Matt, and a sister named Liz. Donald was a missionary and a physical therapist, and Susan was a school teacher. The family moved to the affluent suburb just east of Memphis called Cordova. It doesn't say when they moved. Uh, he attended Evangelical Christian School, where he also played football. After graduation, he attended Millsaps College to play Division Three football. Uh, he later transferred to Colorado State University for Division One football. I don't know the differences. Mark does. I don't uh, think it fucking matters. It, it does matter. I mean, it's, I mean, in this, I don't think uh, it matters. It's your athletic ability. Right. Uh, but the main thing is, I believe, scholarships. Yeah. So Division Three does not do scholarships. So, okay. Those are like the smaller private schools. He wasn't good, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. It, everybody said he trained very hard, but he also didn't lacked he, talent. Didn't he walk on, though, to Colorado he, State? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you have to be somewhat decent. It was one of, he was one of 12 who was a walk on that year. Yeah. I mean, to be a walk on, you at least have to be athletic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he was like, I don't know, like a goober, but he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't great. Everybody but, said that he, but he tried. Well, they have the walk-ons, too, because that's your practice squad. Too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so after exhausting his football eligibility, he returned to attend Memphis State University, which is now the University of Memphis. Uh, at this point, he decided to switch his career path to medicine. He completed his undergraduate studies in 1995. And, and what, then. What was the undergrad? Uh, probably bioscience. Oh, okay. Um. From there, he enrolled in medical school at the University of Tennessee Health Sciences Center. He earned his MD doing so well that he was a, uh, among the 12% of his graduating class of course. named to the elite Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society. So Christopher stayed at the University of Tennessee for medical school. Sorry, dog's barking. So there's a little <clears throat> bit of a gap. Uh, so Christopher decided to stay at the University of Tennessee for medical school. After deciding um, on doing neurosurgery, he spent the standard five years learning neurosurgery and then one year learning general surgery. Uh, in 2005, the department chairman, Dr. John Robertson, appointed Dunst as the program director of the school's tissue bank. So this dude knew what... He was fucking smart. Yeah. And he had <clears throat> impeccable training. And I, that, I mean, it's, it's apparent. Yeah. Um, so he oversaw two labs. He also earned his PhD. So 
He was constantly involved in research and writing grants, earning more than $3 million in local, state, and federal funding for the labs. Uh, One of the labs he oversaw was studying cells from malignant brain tumors that had huge potential for the development of new cancer drugs. Yeah. Um, Another lab was also studying a way to repurpose stem cells to revitalize failing discs in back pain sufferers, which would eliminate the need for uh, discectomy discectomy and effusion wow so now he filed patents for both despite the fact that the discoveries were not his oh. he actually he worked with the two uh it was a married couple from russia who uh actually came up not came up with but discovered it um their names were valerie kukovov and tatiana ignatova russian people yeah i just said that that's my people yeah um, so they were fucking pissed. They're like, so yeah. they're on there, you know, they're on the labs, they're on the discoveries, they're on the patents, but their fucking names are spelled wrong. Well, that's bullshit. So, yeah. Um, he then created... Try not to hit the mic. I, you keep... Shut up. something. Oh my God. Pain in my fucking hand. You bossed me around since you got home. You love me. God. Uh, so then he created two companies with himself and the two uh, scientists listed as investors. Like I said, their names were spelled wrong. Um, also, two, hang on, I got to move this. Man, you are all sorts of problems today. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> really? Put the mic by your mouth. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. Uh, so the first company, Novo Stem Therapeutics, was created to monetize the cancer stem cell discovery, uh, but failed when the recession of 2008 pretty much all but cut off their funding, mm. which is stupid. Yeah. Like, I, why why are you cutting off funding to cancer research? <laughs> Fuck you, you really? know? Uh, the it's second company, money. yeah, Dysgenics, was more successful. It's actually still open today. Um, and still owns the patent for the disc regeneration discovery. Mm. Um, you can Google it. It's it's a company in Texas. It's really? open. Um, maybe Tennessee, not Texas. So they, they've already started this process? Oh, this was, yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. They're wow. in the process of, like, perfecting it, essentially. So No kidding. Um, he secured investments from two of his supervisors, Dr. Robertson and Dr. Kevin Foley. Um. Dr. Kevin Foley was a prominent neurosurgeon who Christopher trained under for a year during his minimally minimally invasive uh, spine surgery fellowship at the Seams Murphy Clinic, one of the largest neurosurgery practices in the U.S. So, like, he didn't go to some fucking podunk school and no. train under some, like, podunk veterinarian. No, like he, he got top-of-the-line right, training. Right, And he, he was good at research. Yeah. Like, that's why he focused most on it. And one of his friends would later say that he thought he was going to get rich off the business end of medicine. Yeah. He didn't necessarily expect to do like the physical right. aspect of medicine. Yeah. So um, at some point between 2006 and 2007, a woman um, who would normally hang out with Chris and his friends said that she witnessed um, Chris on multiple occasions party all night using cocaine and LSD and then put on his lab coat and go right to rounds without a single concern. So, um, a woman, a different woman, then anonymously called the uh, chief of the department during the fourth year of his residency and accused him of being high on cocaine while operating. Jesus. 
He was sent to a program for impaired physicians uh, after refusing to take a drug test. Mm. He spent several months there, but was ultimately allowed to finish his residency. So if you look at his, um, you know, his like history, there's there. Yeah, there's a huge gap and they don't have to put why. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, you'll. Yeah. So. Um, it really didn't do shit because several friends would later recall him doing the same exact thing through the end of his residency. During all of this, he reconnected with a high school friend, uh, Rand Page, in 2010, um, and he got him to invest in discgenics. However, uh, he said that he, uh, Rand Page, said that he started getting random fo- uh, phone calls from pharmacies saying mm-hmm. that his prescriptions were ready. Yeah. And it was actually Chris writing prescriptions for opioids in his no name. No kidding. So um, he said, too, that he, he realized uh, because of Chris's earlier behavior that he wasn't going to be like a lasting investor. Yeah. Uh, they would be at business dinners and he would get shit faced. Um, he found him snorting cocaine at a brunch. So why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> By 2011, though, Rampage was suing Chris because uh, he failed to pay him stocks uh, and part of his own salary, which was part of their investor agreement. Yeah. Uh, July 2011, Chris fired off panicked emails at 4 a.m. talking about his reputation being ruined by this man. Um, which it wasn't. Like, you did your fucking self, dude. Yeah, no shit. Stop hitting the microphone. I know, that was my knee. Sorry. Oh, God. Uh, After years of focusing mainly on research, it was becoming increasingly clear that those opportunities were running out because he was being a dick and being pushed out, so it was his fault. Um, Especially after Dysgenics removed him as a board member and chief science officer in 2012. Hmm. Um, Also during his residency, what did I write that for? He reconnected with his high school friend, Jerry Summers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started hanging out and partying every day, and it became Jerry's unofficial job to watch out for Chris. Man, who, these dudes like to party. Dude, like, yeah. Um, Chris needed direction, obviously. He, um, according to Jerry, couldn't even balance a checkbook. And really? frequently crashed cars. Hmm. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Alrighty then. Um. I put in my notes, probably because he's shit-faced 90% of the time. You think? Yeah. So Chris finished his residency with having participated in less than 100 surgeries, which becomes an issue later. Uh, typically, neurosurgery residents participate in a bare minimum of 1,000 surgeries oh with an average of 2,500 surgeries Wow. throughout their residency. Wow. Um, during this time, he met a woman named Wendy Young. Who played Mendy in the... Do you remember? I have no clue. Um, so they met in a bar called Beauty Shop, because apparently it was Elvis Presley's barbershop. Oh. Fun fact, I guess. Sure. Um, in 2011, she said, quote, he was friendly and we had good conversation. We talked about marriage pretty quickly and we moved in together within three months and then I became pregnant. Mm. She was 27, he was 40. Oh, really? Yeah. I see. I knew you didn't do that. I was excited. Wow. About I did not know that. So um, he pretty much decided at this point that research was no longer the way to go. Um, and he needed to go to the lucrative side of neurosurgery, which is obviously operating on patients, um, and started looking for jobs. 
Mm-hmm. Now, on paper, he looked fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, between schools, his residency, and his fellowship, he had 15 years of training. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah, that, that has to look fucking phenomenal. His CV, which I had to look up, it's called uh, it's Curriculum Vital, mm-hmm. which is Latin for Course of Life. Okay. Uh, it's a written summary of a person's career qualifications and education. So that's new. Uh, it was 12 pages, single-spaced. Wow. <laughs> so um, in it, he claimed to have graduated magna cum laude from St. Jude's uh, Children's Research Hospital with a doctorate in microbiology. However, at the time that he said he graduated, St. Jude's did not offer this program. <laughs> uh, around this time... Oof, maybe yeah. look it up first. Duh. <laughs> Doctors rim lolly, like you could just sneak it in there and hope yeah. nobody. Like, like, it's all fu- you had to do was Google. Maybe not put St. Jude, maybe put a hospital <laughs> nobody's ever fucking heard of. Right. Because right, St. Jude's kind of popular. People, right. you know. Um, so around this time, doctors Michael rim lolly and Douglas uh, Juan. Juan. That's his name, Juan. 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 Um, the pair owned the minimally. I, why can I not fucking say that word either? Minimally. I'm having a bad brain day. Um, minimally invasive spine institute in North Dallas, and they recruited him from Memphis to join their practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called the supervisors at the University of Tennessee to see if the actual man matched the resume. They were told that he was one of the best and smartest neurosurgeons they had ever trained. Uh, Chris is extremely bright and pros- possibly the hardest working person I'd ever met. And that was said by Dr. Kevin Foley. Wow. Um, when requesting privileges at Baylor Regional Medical Center at Plano, which is now Baylor Scott and White Medical Center, Dr. Robertson wrote a letter verifying Chris's training. Quote, his work ethic, character, and ability to get along with others is beyond reproach, which mm. means it's excellent because I had to look up that work too. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, I was just going to act like I knew that. Yeah, I, I had to look it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Big work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk. On July 1st, 2001, uh, the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute with Baylor Plano. Um, what did I write? Arguing. Oh, they agreed to. What the fuck did I write? Oh, to an inducement deal. Mm. I'm having a, I told you I'm having a bad yeah, day. You are. You ready for this bullshit? What? They fucking offered him a $600,000 moving bonus. What? Mm hmm. And they put him up. They put him up in a luxury hotel suite until he could find a place of his own. Jeez, must be nice. Why the fuck are we not neurosurgeons? I know. (laughs) I mean, he could do it. What the fuck? Um, So at this point, Wendy was five months pregnant, so obviously she went along. Yeah. Um, Chris couldn't imagine moving without Jerry Summers. Um, Jerry, like I said, was basically his keeper. Mm. So Chris offered him a job to move to Dallas and be his assistant and help him um, build up his practice because he wanted to make his own. Like Yeah, not so much his own practice because he's going to be with the minimally invasive. Right. So uh, Jerry decided, all right, let's fucking go. So everyone goes to Dallas. Baylor hired a marketing guy to promote Chris, and Jerry handed out promotional packages to doctor's offices and shit around the area. Yeah. Uh, Jerry would also clean up his messes, such as picking up uncapped Sharpies that he would leave around so, the room. What, was he sniffing them? I don't know, but it was ruining furniture. Are you four? He's probably sniffing them. Are you four? Yeah. 
you're um, thinking about it when you're sniffing them. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so Chrissy immediately made a poor impression at Baylor. Yeah. Uh, veteran vascular surgeon Randall Kirby, who is a huge part in this. So mm-hmm. um, said Chris boasted about his abilities despite being so new, going as far as saying to Kirby when they were scrubbing in for a surgery that all the spine surgeons in Dallas were inappropriately operating on people and he was there to clean the town up. Wow. You're going to say this to a guy who's been a fucking surgeon yeah. for 30 years? Right. Cool. That's Good job, dude. bit much. Um, Dr. Kirby would later say that Chris's skill in the operating room left much to be desired and, quote, he could not wield a scalpel. Wow. Um, his first surgery at Baylor was Kenneth Fennell. He saw Chris for chronic back pain, and this would be Kenneth, uh, Kenneth's second surgery to relieve the pain. Uh, Chris operated on the wrong side of his back. Jesus. This becomes a theme. Yeah. Um, It left him significantly paralyzed in his legs, and he needed months of intense physical therapy to be able just to walk with a cane. Uh, To this day, he still can't stand for longer than a few minutes or walk more than 30 feet. Sounds like me. Hmm. That's what I was thinking. Sounds familiar. Um, In August of 2011, nurse practitioner Kimberly Morgan was looking for a job. While she was on vacation, she got a call from a doctor she knew about a new neurosurgeon who was looking for a nurse. She went straight from the airport to the interview and was hired immediately. Mm. Within a month, they were quote-unquote dating, and by dating, I mean they were having sex on the couch in his office. Uh, yeah. It's a date. I mean, I guess. It's just the two of you, which is how she's like, well, it was just us. Yeah. So, okay. Sure. Okay, sweetie. Yeah. Okay. Uh Kenneth Fennell was not, or excuse me, was the only surgery that Chris performed with Minimally Invasive Spine Institute. Dr. Rumwali soon became suspicious of Chris's behavior, and he would later say, quote, something was wrong, whether it be impairment from drugs, alcohol, mental illness, or a combination of all three. The final straw was when Chris performed the surgery um, on Fennel on a Thursday, and then that night he flew out to Vegas without securing a call physician and didn't come back until Monday. Jeez. And obviously, Jude had complications, yeah. you know. Yeah. So when the hospital couldn't reach Chris, they called Dr. Rimwali. Uh, days after returning, Chris was fired from the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute, but not Baylor Plano. Mm-hmm. So Baylor Plano kept him on. Yeah. Um, Chris denies it happening that way. He said that the surgery had been earlier in the week and that it was he, not the hospital, that had called Dr. Rumwali to check on the patient. Hmm. He also maintains that the practice didn't keep their promises and they owed him money. Hmm. Uh, when he left the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute, he took Kim Morgan with him, obviously. Right. Because she was attached to him by his dinghy. Um, Dunst went to great efforts to make sure Kim and Wendy didn't figure out the other one's relationship, despite Kim spending time at the house he shared with Kim. Now, I'm not victim shaming. You two are twits. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. He told Kim that Wendy was his secretary from Memphis, and she was just staying with him until her, her husband arrived in Dallas. Sure. She's visibly fucking pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> cool uh he then told wendy that kim was his assistant at the time um and all the time they spent together was them researching wow in your bedroom on the couch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. uh in reality they were at his office where he drank vodka and researched while she watched him sitting on the couch naked <laughs> 
So, do you want to watch me naked? <laughs> I do. I, I can watch TV and just be naked. You do. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much do so, already. <laughs> um, at one point, she told Chris he needed to move the jug of Stoli that he kept under his desk because if it was found, he'd be in deep shit with Baylor. Mm. You're a neurosurgeon. Why are you drinking Stoli? <laughs> yeah. I don't even drink Stoli. And I'm a fucking paramedic who makes $4 an hour. Like, really? Just throwing that out there. Um, he, She actually was later highly criticized at trial for not reporting it. She's mm. not going to report him. It's her boyfriend. Right. Um, when he wasn't with Kim, he would send her intimate, rambling, and profanity-laced emails that made no fucking sense whatsoever. I want a motorboat, you. Uh, I, I have some of them. Really? Uh, yeah, because one of them comes up in court later. Like, it's a huge fucking deal. So, um, in October of 2011, an email said, quote, Where I came from, I ruled the fucking world and crushed every fucking thing that looked at me. <laughs> Twice, and was always hidden and behind the scenes. What? That's what I should tell you when we're in a fight. Like, babe, I fucking own all this shit. I own life. But I can run down the street. That's a fucking low blow. Whatever. Uh, Two months later at 4 a.m., he sent her another email that would repeatedly be brought up um, later. It was four pages single-spaced. Why are you single-spaced and everything, dude? Uh, It looks nicer. What the fuck? You ready? Yeah. All right. Quote, anyone close to me thinks I'm something between God, Einstein, and the Antichrist. I'm going to start saying that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because how can I do everything I want and cross every disciplined boundary like it's a fucking playground and never lose? I am ready to leave the love and kindness and goodness and patience that I mix with everything else I am and become a cold-blooded killer. What the fuck? The sad fact is that I would go faster, do better, and catch more respect and honor by fucking everyone in the brain emotionally and mentally controlling them in a manner that borders on abuse, taking no prisoners, sending everyone in my way, and especially that fucks with me to hell. I mean, this dude is a, a nut job. Yeah. No way around he's a, it. Well, he's a narcissist. Let's just start there. A complete narcissist. Right. But, yeah. I mean, as smart as can be, but fucking evil. Mm-hmm. Just literally evil. A fucking I, I don't, black heart. So... I, I get, you know, sociopath, but it's, it's a mental illness. Yeah. It's classified as a mental illness, but I, sociopaths don't give a flying fuck what they do and what the right. consequences are. They have no feelings or emotions whatsoever. Right. So, um, uh, so the same in October, excuse me, of 2011, Kim registered articles of incorporation to form Chris's practice the Texas Neurological Institute. So he was going to form his own practice. Uh, Lee Passmore went to see Chris for chronic pain. On December 30th, 2011, uh, Chris brought the 36-year-old Passmore, who was a field agent for the Collins County Medical Examiner's Office, into surgery to remove a herniated disc from his lower back. Yeah. I need a sip of coffee. So... Dr. Mark Hole was the general surgeon for Passmore surgery, which I didn't know. There's always a secondary surgeon with neurosurgery, mm-hmm. and it's either vascular or general surgery, and they're the ones that usually make the incisions. I didn't know that. I either. didn't. I didn't know that. It's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> good to know. No. So, 
Uh, he met Chris for the first time that day in the physician lounge at Baylor. Um, one of the things Chris said was, quote, everybody's doing it wrong. I'm the only clean, minimum, minimally invasive guy in the whole state. Uh, Dr. Hoyle would later say, quote, I thought he was either really, really good or he's just really, really arrogant and thought he was good. Uh, Dr. Hoyle said the surgery was a fucking disaster. Mm. He looked over and saw nothing but blood pouring out of the, um, what did I write? Pouring out of the patient um, and pooling in the disc space. Chris announced he would be removing the ligament that separates the disc from the spinal cord, um, Mm -hmm. which is one of the spine's two major stabilizers. And this is completely unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of to the point that Dr. Hole stepped in front of him to stop him. Okay. He said, uh, quote, we need to talk about this. That's dangerous. Even that attitude, it's dangerous. So yeah. he blocked him from doing it. Hole moved in, stopped the bleeding, and cleaned out the wound, uh, and Chris continued the surgery. He put hardware in the wrong spot, then stripped the threads so the screw could not be removed. Jesus. Uh, if it was removed, Passmore would bleed to death because of where he put it. Dr. Hoyle immediately canceled the remaining surgeries he had scheduled with Chris and questioned his sanity. Yeah. Um, on January 6, 2012, so like a week later, Chris brought Passmore back into surgery to remove bone fragments from a blown disc from the first surgery. Uh, a week after that, Chris brought 45-year-old Barry Morgoloff in for an anterior lumbar fusion, which is the most common back surgery there is. Is it? Yep. So, so easy, easy peasy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Morgoloff had had chronic pain um, from everyday wear and tear on his back from being a pool, super, pool service man for many years. Uh, he had had previous surgeries in his 30s. So when he went to see the first surgeon, uh, he told him he needed to exercise more. And Morgoloff was like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to have surgery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting on the treadmill. He wanted a quicker <clears throat> fix. So he went and saw Chris. Um, when he first met uh, Dunst, he told Barry to research him. He wouldn't find a bad review. And he didn't. Yeah. It was glowing reviews of him. Right. So this was the first time that Dr. Randall Kirby met him because he was the assisting vacu- vascular surgeon on Barry's operation. He also realized that he knew Barry because he had been his pool guy for many years. Oh. So um, normally with this type of surgery, the disc is removed with a scalpel. Uh, Chris instead would use a double action grabbing tool, which is like um, tongs, yeah. essentially. Uh, I wonder if he clipped up twice before he went in there. Mm. Gotta, you know. yeah. um, it can be done this way, but it typically will cause more damage and a lot of bleeding. Am I boring you? A little bit. No, I'm sorry. Um, so Chris was basically gouging the disc out. Uh, Kirby advised Dunst to slow down because of the bleeding and to use a scalpel instead. Uh, he then offered scalpel. he then offered to take over the surgery. Chris got pissed off and said he'd done this thousands of times. Liar. Yeah, not. Uh, and he didn't even need Kirby in the OR at all. So this uh, is wild. Doctor Kirby said that he had been hearing rumors for months, and Chris had just proven them uh, to be true. He said it was astounding that someone with his training could be so clueless about the anatomy of the spine and that it was disturbing. And he walked out of the surgery. Really? <laughs> yep. 
Uh, he went straight to the chief of the surgical department to tell him how incompetent Chris appeared. Uh, Barry said he immediately knew something was wrong as soon as he woke up. And despite copious amounts of painkillers, he was still in excruciating pain. That better not be my fucking pen. Pencil. Okay. Um, he told Dunst about my the pain. Itch. <laughs> <laughs> he told Dunst about the pain, uh, who said that he was already giving him, quote, elephant doses of pain medication, which he probably wasn't. He yeah. was probably giving one for you, two and, for me. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's um, probably stealing them. Yeah. He accused him of being a seeker because Barry had a history of opioid <clears throat> abuse. Yeah. Uh, Barry would later say he walked out of his office during one of his follow-up appointments because he thought Chris was inebriated. Um, he was left with searing pain in his back and left leg from bone fragments left behind by Chris, which were not found for eight months. And they were found by a secondary surgeon when he went to get a second opinion. Man, these stories are giving me flashbacks. They get worse. My shit. They get worse. Fuck. So, um, Chris's friend, Jerry Summers, was still living with him. And he literally kept Chris's life uh, together. He helped him at the lab during the residency and then helped to build his reputation when he moved to Dallas. Uh, it's possible that he was also financially supporting Chris to an extent because all of his credit cards were linked to uh, to Chris's business accounts. Yeah. Um, was that in the, docu- the thing you watched? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Um, in January of 2012, Jerry called his girlfriend, Jennifer, and told her Chris was going to do surgery on him. He had an old neck injury from football that had been exacerbated by a recent car accident. Uh, all Jennifer said was, are you sure? Yeah. So, Jerry, it, it's, it's his best friend. He thought he was the best neurosurgeon in the fucking world. Right. So, he's like, yeah, I'm 100% fucking positive. Yeah. So, she flew in the day before the surgery. Uh, Chris showed her all of Jerry's imaging and described the surgery in detail to her. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Jennifer went to wake up Jerry only to find him awake. Um, she wondered if he had slept at all, which isn't uncommon. The night right. before surgery. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, she drove Jerry to the hospital, then went back to pick up Chris and bring him to the hospital. Uh, Jennifer and Wendy then went out to lunch to wait it out. Uh, Chris literally destroyed Jerry. Okay. Literally. Um, he damaged blood vessels and the verte- vertebral artery, causing Jerry... Um, what the fuck? Oh, um, vertebral artery causing Jerry to bleed uncontrollably. Uh, Chris attempted to stop the bleeding with gel foam, which is an anticoagulant, with a lot of gel foam. Yeah. Too much. So much that it constricted the flow to, uh, the blood flow to the spine. What the fuck? In addition to that, Chris removed so much bone that Jerry's head was not securely attached to his body. Oh my God, dude. Um, Jennifer said, what the yeah. fuck? Jennifer said she had an, an uneasy feeling the whole time, um, which was justified with a call from Jerry's mom, who said he was in the ICU and couldn't feel anything from the neck down. Dear Lord. Um, Jennifer rushed to the hospital where she was met by Chris. Uh, he told her that there was some unexpected bleeding um, and blood loss, um, and the paralysis was temporary. He lost more than two liters of blood. So in reference, an IV bag, a standard saline IV bag is one liter. He lost two of those. How many liters is in a body? I don't know. I would have to look. Is it six? I don't remember. 
I should have looked. I um, knew you were going to fucking ask me I that, too. I think it's six. Um, I could be wrong, though. Well, Google that shit. You're not paying attention My to me. My phone's just about dead. Oh. Well, so um, around 10 p.m., Chris told Jennifer the swelling in Jerry's neck wasn't going down on his own and he needed to take him back in to relieve the pressure. So he did. Took him back into fucking surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, Chris told Jerry's mom that there were complications, but he'd be fine in a week or so. Another surgeon was brought in, but the damage was done and it was irreversible. Okay, so there is a pro- approximately 1.2 to 1.5 gallons of blood in a body. And there's four liters in a gallon, right? F- well, yeah. I'll Google that then. I'm pretty sure there's four liters oh. in a gallon. Um, Jerry was very calm with Chris, convinced that all of this was temporary. The ICU nurses noticed um, that Chris was remarkably unconcerned and was not being honest with Jerry about his condition. 3.7 liters. So... Yeah. And 3.7 liters in one gallon. So he lost... So almost four. He lost half Yeah. of his blood volume. So you would have, what, just like four, a little over mm-hmm. four yeah. liters? So... Um, Jesus. So he lost half his fucking blood. Right. Jerry kept saying, quote, I know something's wrong and would tell Jennifer to just kill him. Uh, one day he fucking snapped. Uh, he was screaming to anyone and everyone that him and Chris spent the entire night before the surgery doing three eight balls of cocaine with Kim Morgan. Jesus. But sure. you know, if this guy, I, I, I feel bad for him, but at the same time. If you were doing fucking cocaine with him. Yeah, if you're doing coke with him the night before your surgeon well, to a major fucking surgery, shame on you. I'll say it right now. He, he did come out later on and say that he made it up. And he oh. made it up to get Chris to pay attention to him because Chris would, was not coming to see him and was you. not okay. telling him the truth. Okay. But it didn't come out for, I mean, four or five years and it's that some, he made it's it believable. up. And it didn't come out until uh, a deposition. So. Okay. But I mean, that it's, it, it's believable. believable. It is, right. So uh, Baylor president Jerry Garrison called Kim and Chris into her office and told them of the accusations and then demanded that both of them immediately take drug tests. Mm-hmm. Chris took hers immediately, or Kim, excuse me, and uh, was clean. Chris avoided it multiple times with bullshit excuses. I remember watching this part over your shoulder. Mm. Um, The first time he said he got lost. The second time he said he forgot his ID. And the third time he said that the lab was closed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, He did eventually take the test and was clean. And in my notes, fun fact, cocaine only stays in your system for two to four days. Mm. So... um, Baylor Plano put Chris on a leave. Um, he told everybody he voluntarily took the leave while Baylor investigated. He went through psychiatric evaluations and cleared all of them. Mm. Yeah. Three weeks into the investigation in March of 2012, Chris's surgical privileges were reinstated, but he was advised to, quote, stick to minor procedures. What? Okay. Dr. Kirby uh, assumed that Chris would be done at Baylor uh, after the complete fuck-up of Barry Morgoloff and Jerry Summers, um, but he wasn't. Soon after, he brought Kelly Martin into the OR for a minor outpatient procedure to relieve pressure off a nerve. Um, She was his first operation back from leave and his last operation at Baylor. The surgery should have lasted an hour. Um, She was an elementary school teacher who had chronic pain after slipping off a ladder. Yeah. 
she wanted to have the procedure. Um, she was getting ready. Did I write this in here? No. Maybe it wasn't her. Ooh, sorry. Um, at some point, Kelly suffered a major arterial injury and started to profusely bleed. Mm. Uh, Chris had punctured major vessels and she was bleeding into her belly unbeknownst to them. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Chris continued the surgery as if the bleeding wasn't even happening. Um, he refused to stop even after an anesthesiologist and trauma surgeon pointed out the bleeding that a nurse would later say he had, or excuse me, a surgical tech later said that he had been watching for a half an hour before anybody said anything. Jesus. Uh, three hours into the surgery, her blood pressure dropped and her heart rate shut through the roof. And uh, she very quickly and so went into cardiac arrest, but very quickly was brought out of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... She was brought into recovery where the nurses noticed that her legs were very mottled. You know what that means, right? I think mottled. we've talked about this. Like red Sexy? splotchy. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. Um, mottled? I'm thinking of a model. So, yeah, they're so sexy. Any and all efforts made um, by the ICU to save her were completely hindered by Chris refusing to acknowledge that he did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, she woke up hysterical and was clawing at her legs and her thighs to the point that she had to be uh, sedated. Oh, wow. So Dunst was in another room charting while all of this was happening. And then she went into cardiac arrest caused by hemorrhagic shock, which means she was bleeding to death. Um, I have a story for you, too, after. about okay. I forgot to tell you there was one dude that had to get sedated. Oh, really? Oh. Vitamin H? That, babe, he was going fucking nuts for a phone call. Yeah, and they gave him a shot? They gave him a shot. Hey, guys. Yeah, you know what that was? Held on. He comes into the room. I'm sorry I was yelling, guys. <laughs> yep, that's held on. I'm just trying to make a phone call. I um, I won't say it out loud. I'll tell you after this. Um, What, did I have it? You did, but like... I'll I'll tell you later. Okay. Because it's it's me being a complete dickbag. Oh well, thanks. Not to you. Okay. Yeah, not to you. Um. So she she ended up bleeding to death. This was after Chris told her family that there were complications, but she was fine. Uh, another drug test was demanded. The first one came back diluted, which means he put probably put fucking toilet water in there. Yeah. Which is considered a fail. Uh, he tested again three days later and was clean. Again, in case you forgot, cocaine, cocaine only stains, it stays in your system for two to four days. Cocaine. Uh, Baylor again investigated, but this time they found that Dunst, quote, had not met the standard of care in relation to the surgeries of Jerry Summers and Kelly Martin. Mm. You think? Uh, despite this, uh, Chris was not reported or even fired. How? How the fuck does that happen? It comes, I'll tell you why. It comes out in a little bit. Um, you are knocking shit over I, over there. I, oh, I did. I knocked my phone over. Oh, the dog got up at the same time. Um, April 20th of 2012, uh, Chris submitted a letter to Baylor Plano's medical staff services director, Patricia Sprouls, Sprouls saying he was removing his practice and resigning his clinical privileges. She then issued him a letter that read... All investigations with respect to any areas of concern regarding Christopher Dunst, MD, have now been closed as of this date. There have been no summary or administrative restrictions or suspensions of Dr. Dunst's medical staff membership or clinical privileges during the time he practiced at Baylor Regional Medical Center at Plano. Mm. 
What? Yeah, I'm kind of confused. So, because he was not fired, Baylor was not required to report him. Oh, that's horseshit. So, they have this thing, and um, had he been fired, they would have been required by law to report him to the National Practitioner Data Bank. Mm -hmm. So, the National Practitioner Data Bank um, was set up in the, one source said the 1980s, one said the 90s. Um, So, 1980s as a way to improve health care. Yeah. It's a way to stop bad doctors from sneaking from hospital to hospital and from state to state. Yeah. Um, patients and doctors cannot see what is in this database. Only oh, really? hospitals can. And wow. hospitals are required by law to check the database before granting privileges to any physician. I mean, that that would be great for a patient to know. Yeah. Like before you... you... Now, the reason that they don't allow um, doctors or patients to look is because... Um, I wrote it because of the entries of this database are sometimes word of mouth, not results of actual investigations all of the time. Oh. Hospitals are reluctant reluctant to report doctors for, for fear of pricey wrongful termination lawsuits. Okay. So that's why it, there's another statistic too that says that um, more than half of all American hospitals have never reported a doctor to really? this national practitioner database. That's fucking scary. More than half. Yeah. That's fucking scary. It is. So, because, like I said, it's not it's not always, you know, results of investigations. Just, they don't want to be sued right. because, well, somebody said you looked at me sideways. Right. Kind of thing. So, on March 12th, 2012, six weeks after her death, the medical examiner ruled Kelly Martin's death an accident. He did state in his report, the collection of blood was most likely the result of a therapeutic misadventure. Okay. So that's that's the nice way of saying like, oops. Yeah. But like not an intentional oops. Just oops. But a misadventure? That's new to me. Stop using big words. Yeah. That's new (laughs) to me. Stop it. Dunch actually blamed her death on a fentanyl allergy, a drug that was used during her intubation. He said, quote, not a single doctor, surgeon, staff, or the pathologist of the autopsy ever stated that I surgically caused vascular injury. Dick. Mm. Uh, at this point, Kim Morgan was like, uh, peace out. I'm done. Yeah. It's a little too much. Yeah. She ended up filing a protection order against him in April of 2012 after he showed up at her house at two in the morning banging on her windows. That's how you get shot. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, she would later say in a deposition that despite rumors, she did not coach him through surgeries, which many people accused her of. Uh, and she never reported Chris to the higher ups because she never saw him drunk or high or suffering from withdrawal symptoms. Uh, she said he was just kind of an ass with a questionable sense of humor. Um, at this point, no one knows really what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Is he just blinded by arrogance? Is he impaired all the time? Or is he just crazy and doesn't I, I know think, what fucking reality is? I really think he knows exactly I think, what he I think he, he knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, he he had the power to, mm-hmm. to do what he could do, and he and was trying to play God. One of the surgeons um, later on who like really pushes to go after him um, said that it was as if he knew exactly what to do. And, and did the opposite. did the exact opposite. Yeah. So. He knew what the fuck he was um, doing. You have that much training and there's no way he didn't know. There's no way. Yeah. So um, at this point, multiple practitioners had called the Texas Medical Board 
saying he was hurting patients on purpose. In the spring and early summer of 2012, Chris did not have privileges at any hospital. So without without privileges, he was putting off his patients' surgeries. Mm -hmm. His office staff just kind of fucking sat around and read magazines and did nothing. Um, They did notice that he would come into the office depressed and not talking to anyone for weeks at a time. He was also unkempt and disheveled. Barry Morgloff went for a follow-up and was surprised to see his office had moved from a large hospital building to a small office in one um, uh, source. I read that it was in like a strip mall. Oh, really? So, I mean, nothing. Nothing. Not that matters, that matters. There's my doctor's in a strip yeah, mall. Yeah, there's money doctors in strip And I love her. But I guess going <laughs> so, from a big hospital, right? You're it's essentially a university hospital. Yeah. To you know, so during the follow up, uh, Barry explained that he was still in significant pain, and Chris told him that this pain was from a new issue. It had nothing to do with the previous surgery, and he needed to get an MRI because he probably needed more surgery. So this is when Barry decided to go back to the first surgeon who did the MRI and saw that there was a shit ton of bone fragments in his spinal canal compressing uh, a nerve root, which is what was causing all the pain. Yeah. Um, It's unfixable. So he couldn't have it fixed. Really? Um, And as the scar tissue continues to build, he loses more function on the left side. So is is there a treatment for that? No. No. Wow. He's still... The last, the last interview he did was like 2020. Yeah. And this is what he said, that as more scar tissue builds around those bone fragments, fragments. the more mobility he, he loses on his left oh, side. Damn. Um, so patients were continuing to come into the office, and he would tell them their surgeries would be any day, that he was awaiting privileges at certain hospitals with state-of-the-art equipment. His office was getting pissed at him and his behavior, um, the office manager felt that it was unethical to string patients along that really needed the surgery. Yeah. Um, after she heard, um, she heard him tell a patient that he was getting ready to open a multi-billion-dollar neurosurgery corporation. Yeah. She said she couldn't take the lying anymore, and she quit. Wow. She was also devastated by Kelly Martin's death because the woman had been coming in so often. Yeah. You know, she built a rapport with her, and. Oh. Um, she said the combination of the lying and Kelly Martin's death was was too much. Now, because neurosurgery is such a lucrative business, they call it a business, mm-hmm. a single neurosurgeon can produce an average yearly revenue of $2.45 million yearly. Ooh. Yeah. In a year. One guy. Just one guy. And we are in the wrong fucking field. Um, so clearly he found a job. Yeah. Quickly. Uh, he was granted temporary privileges at Dallas Medical Center within four months. Mm. When the old office manager found out he was operating again, her first thought was, quote, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this little Southern lady. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm sorry for being vulgar. <laughs> so, um, she called every patient she could think of and told them not to let Chris touch them. And then she called every hospital she thought he would be applying at to tell them um, basically that he kills people. Wow. She did not want him to have privileges anywhere. Mm. Good um, for her to fucking reach yeah, right? out. So he was uh, granted the temporary privileges at Dallas Medical Center in Farmer's Branch while awaiting the records from Baylor Plano. Uh, as soon as he got there, his behavior was questioned. A surgical nurse um, noticed Dunst would show up disheveled. Yeah. Kyle Kessinger was his name. Um, he ended up in multiple surgeries with Chris. 
Um, on July 24th, 2012, Chris operated on Fluella Brown. She was a 64-year-old banker set to retire. Um, she had previous surgeries uh, in the same area with plates and wanted to be pain-free before moving to Lake Texoma um, to retire. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to have a disc removed and then two fused. Um, she had chronic neck and shoulder pain that was worsening. About 30 minutes into the routine surgery, Chris started complaining he couldn't see the spine, saying, quote, there's so much blood, I can't see, I can't see this. He was yelling at the scrub tech to, quote, suck more, suck more, get that blood out of there, I can't see. The nurse, Kyle, was concerned with Chris continuing the surgery correctly if he wasn't able to see, and uh, why the fuck is the patient still bleeding? Yeah. So... Um, blood saturated the drapes uh, around the patient and on oh the floor. My God. And then you know how you see in like movies or whatever they have that bucket that they throw sponges into. Yeah. They they do. They literally do that. Yeah. Uh, the sponges were were saturated. Wow. Um, she did. Um, he did finish her surgery, closed her up. She was put in the ICU after recovery, and she woke up and was doing okay. She was yeah. asking for ice. Um, her husband and son and granddaughter came to see her later that evening, and her husband said that she just seemed off. She yeah. seemed fidgety. Uh, when he came back around 5.30 the next morning, she was actively convulsing. Uh, so he ran down, obviously, to the nurse's station. Yeah. 30 minutes later, she became unresponsive due to the increased pressure that had been building in her brain. Jesus Christ. While Brown was in ICU fighting for her life, Chris took Mary Euford into surgery. It was actually a revision surgery of a surgery that he had performed at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the persistent pain was keeping the active 71 uh, or 74, whichever you read, year old off the treadmill. So she wanted, she wanted it fixed. Yeah. Um, her surgery was scheduled for 7 a.m. and he arrived at 7.45. Nurse Kyle said he showed up disheveled with two-day stubble, pinpoint pupils, and was barely blinking. He also noticed uh, that Chris had a hole on the ash cheek of his scrubs, which he said was obviously noticeable because he wasn't wearing underwear. And then realized the fuck? that this was the third day in the ro- in a row that he had seen the same hole. Oh, dude! So was he living in his car. Or something? Who, he, I mean, he had a place. He was just, you know. Um, when he got there, staff immediately told him about Fluella Brown. Mm-hmm. Most doctors would probably put off their elective surgeries. And he did not. Uh, he started Euford surgery anyways. He then instructed Nurse Kyle, you shouldn't call him Nurse Kyle, that's me, but uh, to let the front desk know that he'd be taking Fluella in for a craniotomy. Do you know what a craniotomy is? No. It's when they drill a hole in your skull to relieve the pressure. Uh, okay, that seems pretty intense. Yeah, uh, so the problem was that not only did Dallas Medical Center not do craniotomies, uh, Chris did not have the authority to do them, and yeah, Dallas Medical he Center... Could do one? He couldn't. Okay. Neurosurgeons can, but he couldn't. Okay. He didn't have those type of privileges at Dallas Medical Center because Dallas Medical Center didn't perform them and didn't even have the equipment to do so. Okay. So uh, Kessinger was like, yeah, no. So Chris was like, go get your supervisors, which he did. And they were like, yeah, no. So he left the OR with Mary Euford's spine exposed for 15 minutes, trying to arrange transfer for Fluella. Wow. While he was gone, the OR staff started looking for a screw that was supposed to be in the spine, but they couldn't find it. 
Chris was repeatedly screwing in and removing the same screw and imaging um, imaging showed the screw in the muscle, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, the x-ray tech took triple the amount of x-rays she normally would. She took uh, 16 to 20 images when normally in that kind of surgery it's like four. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Chris came back, she pointed out to him that the cage was to the side of where it should be. His response was, quote, I've done a fucking visual. I can see where it is. You don't have to tell me. Good talk. Cool. Uh, He finished by awkwardly putting a screw in her tailbone. And then said, quote, I can leave her just like that. She'll be fine. Thanks, Dick. (laughs) Uh, Fluella Brown, who had high blood pressure and was already a stroke risk, was transferred to UT Southwestern Medical Center. By the time she arrived there, she was brain dead. When the fuck are they going to notify the police? Oh, I'm getting there. I I promise. Um, She never regained consciousness, and her family removed her from life support within a couple days. Um, It was said that she suffered a massive posterior circulation stroke due to a left vertebral injury from Dunch's horrendous surgical technique. So he cut her fucking artery and she had a stroke because of that. That's what that Dude. means. Um, and that's just what they deduced from the surgical records because yeah. her family declined an autopsy. Wow. So um, it also showed that uh, he had misdiagnosed the source of her pain and was operating in the wrong spot. Uh, of course. Again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the day after Mary Uford's surgery, an administrator approached Chris about a second surgery for her. Um, which he told her she needed another one and he was taking her back in. Um, Instead of Chris doing the surgery, the hospital called in longtime renowned spine surgeon to try and perform a salvage surgery. If I could get this guy to do my surgery, (laughs) like I would travel to him. Right. Um, When he arrived, he looked at Uford's uh, post-operative x-rays and said, quote, I'm really thinking some kind of travesty occurred. It was as if he knew everything to do and he had done virtually everything wrong. He was sure that there'd be some sort of legal action, uh, so he made a point to record his surgery on Euford. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said if she wouldn't have had the salvage surgery, she would be bedbound. Mm-hmm. Um, he did everything he could, but she still is wheelchair bound. Um, she generally does not give interviews because she said it just brings everything back and it would be detrimental to Ooh, her health. Her. So yeah, I don't blame her. Um, Dr. Henderson said there was a screw, quote, flopping around at the spinal canal and that he was able to pull a, a rod, quote, right out. He likened the work to a child playing with tinker toys or an erector set. The spinal fusion hardware was in soft tissue. The nerve root that controls the bladder and one of the legs was amputated. He was doing the surgery and was like, where, where the fuck is it? Where did it go? <laughs> you, you need this. Yeah. Dude. Um, he said there were three holes where Chris had attempted and failed to place screws. Nowhere near where they should have been. This guy knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, a screw was lodged in another nerve root at the bottom of the spine. That was the like screw he just put in the fucking tailbone yeah. just to put it in. Um. Chris, again, was operating on the wrong spot, which he turned around and blamed on being distraught from Fluella's outcome. Oh, okay. okay. 
Uh, it was so botched, Dr. Henderson thought Dunst was an imposter because he was unable to believe that an actual surgeon could fuck up that bad. Yeah. Anyone with basic knowledge of the back's anatomy would know it was the wrong part of the back. Mm-hmm. Dr. Henderson actually sent a picture of Chris to the University of Tennessee to verify that he had an actual degree. Yeah. Like he, that's how far he thought he was a, you know, a fraud. Uh, He called Dr. Kevin Foley and Dr. Boop. (laughs) I forgot to look what his first name was because his last name is Boop. Boop. (laughs) So (laughs) I made little Jackie laugh for like 20 minutes with that. Got a question for you, Dr. Boop. She's like, if you do not go Boop every time. She's like, you're not doing it right. Um, so respectively, they were the head of the fellowship program and the chairman of the fellowship program. Raise your mic up. I, I was going to say, bit. are you telling me to put my mic up? Yeah, your mic's dripping or like dripping, dipping a little. I just want to make sure it's near your mouth. Oh my god. Uh, so this is when he learned of the incident that sent Chris to the impaired physicians program. Yeah. Uh, both of the doctors spoke relatively highly of him though, but also said that they could only comment about Chris and his time at their facility. Nothing more. Uh, less than a week after being granted temporary privileges at Dallas medical center, administrators revoked them. Mm. Um, again, he was not reported to the National Practitioner Databank because at the time, hospitals were not required to report doctors with temporary privileges. Mm. Just like at Baylor, he was allowed to resign. Wow. Um, after leaving Dallas Medical Center, he was granted privileges at Southampton Community Hospital in Dallas. He also took a job at an outpatient surgical clinic called Legacy Surgical Center in Frisco, which is now called Frisco Ambulatory Surgical Center. Uh, Jeff Cheney left with a damaged spinal cord and no feeling on the right side. Philip Mayfield was left partially paralyzed from the neck down after Dunst drilled into his spinal cord. Uh, He died in February of 2021 from COVID, where his wife said, uh, which his wife said he was more susceptible to because of the surgical complications. Yeah. Um, Also, hang on. Hanging. Grab my phone because I want to, I read that and I I wanted to verify um, something. So. Verify what? I think. Hang on. I did. Yeah. Don't eh me. Um, next was Marshall Tex. I want my nickname to be Tex. Oh, I like that. Tex. I want, obviously he lives in Texas, but. You think? Okay. So that's, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, so Tex was the next one. He had gone to Chris to have a degenerative disc removed or degenerated disc removed, um, Instead, spinal hardware was left floating around the spine and muscle tissue. He was constantly in a considerable amount of pain that Chris convinced him was normal. He then prescribed him so much Percocet that the pharmacy would not fill it. Wow. Yep. Um, and because of the pain and no fix for the pain, this uh, he actually spiraled into an opioid addiction, trying to control the pain, and he lost his, his entire life, basically, his wife and his job. Wow. Um, so what I thought, too... Jerry Summers, his friend, mm-hmm. uh, also died in February of 2021 from COVID. Really? Again, battling infections and complications from no the original shit. surgery from Dunched. Man, that's sad. So, I thought that's what I read. That's sad. Uh, so, 
During this time, after hearing about Brown and Euford's cases, Dr. Kirby called the Texas Medical Board. He said, quote, we've had, I know how to say this word too. The? No. <laughs> it? Hang on. Egregious results. At Egregious. Ba- at, at Baylor Plano. Uh, he was not reported to the database. We've had egregious results at Dallas Medical Center. He needs to be stopped. Uh, Dr. Henderson had also called the Texas State Medical Board. Yeah. Neither doctor heard from the board for a couple of months, so they assumed that basically his shit had caught up with him. How about notifying the police soon? I am getting there. They, well, that's, I feel like it's being neglected a little bit. Mm. Texas is weird. Every state now, is weird. I don't mean Texas is weird, guys. I'm sorry. No, I... I I know what you mean, but every state is weird. Yeah. Every state has their own issues, but you still... Yeah. What, why aren't you notifying them? Hey, this is a situation we know it might not be at this point yet, but yeah, like this is something that you guys might start to get on the ball with. We're getting there. Okay. So um, they thought that he was done essentially. However, in December of 2012, uh, Chris had struck again. Jacqueline Troy had her vocal cord cut and also one of her arteries cut. Now, she was brought into the outpatient surgical center for a very minor same-day procedure. Yeah, and gets her fucking Uh, vocal cord cut. Her esophagus and trachea had become connected, which is, quote, an unheard of complication. What the she had issues with um, aspirating food. Um, she has a, a feeding tube. Yeah. She also um, developed massive infections. And two weeks after her original surgery, she was brought to Texas Health Presbyterian Dallas with massive complications and massive infection. Dr. Kirby was on staff there. Good. Uh, and when called to operate on her, he knew immediately and asked the referring doctor about the surgeon, saying, quote, is it a guy named Christopher Dunched? He knew. Uh, Southampton Community Hospital was uh, bought out, and during the revamping, it was renamed University General Hospital, and they retained Dunched. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not affiliated with any university. Okay. And they are now closed. Oh, time. are they? Yes. Uh, Chris then attempted to apply for privileges at Methodist Hospital in the Dallas suburb of McKinney. Based on what they learned about what happened at Baylor, um, from rumors, mm-hmm. uh, I said obviously not from the database because that was clear, they rejected his application and they reported him to the National Practitioner Databank. Wow, good. He didn't even work there. Finally. And they fucking reported him. Finally someone fucking does something. Yep. Uh, after multiple practitioners called the board, Dr. Alan Skulkin, an actual board member, reported Chris himself. Baylor Plano's failure to report caused an investigation by the state health authorities resulting in fines and a notice of violation. Both were rescinded a year later with no reason. Uh, at this point, because no one is reporting him, no one's really connecting the dots, yeah. you know. Um, In July of 2012, Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson had a chance meeting. They had never met. Mm -hmm. Had a chance meeting in the doctor's lounge at Pine Creek Medical Center. And uh, Kirby knew that Henderson had operated on Mary Euford. So this is when they decided to team up and call the Texas Medical Board together. 
Uh, they told the board that Chris should have absolutely no patient contact, and the board said that they would get back to him. They didn't. Dr. Kirby was like, what the fuck? Yeah. There's two deaths, a quad, two paraplegics, and it's not reason enough for them to act? Yeah. What? Um, Makes no and that, sense. And that's not the other surgeries either. Like, right. They only reported four. Right. So... After uh, Jacqueline Troy's surgery, Dr. Kirby called Legacy Surgical Center and advised the owner to get rid of Dutch. Six months later, Dr. Kirby received an invitation to a dinner at University General to welcome and promote their new neurosurgeon, Dr. Christopher Dunge. How? (laughs) The reporter's like, I take it you didn't go. (laughs) He was like, no. Um, He did call the owner of University General, Dr. Chihuti, uh, to warn him. Uh, Dr. Chihuti basically said that he didn't want to be sued and there was really nothing he could do because Dunst at this point had not done anything. Um, What the fuck did I see it earlier? Damn it. He didn't do anything bad there yet. Right. I can't see that. I mean, he essentially hadn't started working there yet. No, it was Southampton Hospital. So he had. It was not. Yeah. But it wasn't under the name. University Medical names. Center, I, I forgot. Okay. which is why Dr. Chihuti was fucked. He had to keep him there. Yeah. So, okay. um, egregious. Yes. Egregious. Um, in uh, June, June 13th of 2013, Dr. Chihuti called Dr. Kirby and said, uh, you were right and I need your fucking help. Mm. Uh, Jeff Glidewell had broke his back 10 years ago in a motorcycle accident. He was on disability and in 2012 developed a pinched nerve in his neck. He had difficult insurance and found Dunst through a Google search. This is why I fucking hate insurance. Uh, They also found a video on YouTube, which uh, looked like a glowing review, and it was actually um, an infomercial, and the person being interviewed was his mother. Oh, how sweet. Um, Mommy. Right. Um, Dr. Kirby was called in to correct um, a, quote, retained foreign body. Uh, Dr. Or excuse me, Glidewell noted prior to the surgery that Don showed up three hours late in tattered jeans and in a cab. Um, (laughs) That's not how I would like my doctor arriving. (laughs) mm -mm, No, no, no. Um, They also said he also said that they saw three black cats on the way there. Yeah. I would have been run, like, turn around. Run. Turn the fuck around. Yep. Um, so he, after surgery, uh, Dunch comes out and tells Glidewell's wife that they found a tumor in his neck and that they aborted the original surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Kirby said the surgery went a lot worse than was described. Dunch was supposed to remove a diseased disc from the cervical area. And then he went on to say, quote, Dr. Dunst made an incision in the neck in the wrong spot, totally disoriented. And then he went through the left lobe of Mr. Glidewell's thyroid gland, destroying it. It's my headphones. I keep hitting it. Um, and then Dr. Dunst proceeded to cut the side of Mr. Glidewell's esophagus. Oh my and then he God. proceeded to drill a hole in the neck lateral to where he should have been. Lateral is out, yeah. by the way. Um and he drilled two ping-pong-sized balls, uh, two ping-pong-ball-sized holes in the muscular skeletal pillar of Mr. Glidewell's left neck. What? Yes. So between all that, uh, Dunch mistook 
his neck muscle for a fucking tumor. Oh my God, dude. Who is <laughs> so, this fucking guy? While he was trying to remove uh, said neck muscle that he thought was a tumor, he injured the left vertebral artery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this made Glidewell bleed profusely. Dunch shoved a sponge in the hole to stop the bleeding. He then sewed him up with the sponge still inside. Oh, well, why not? Right, right. You might as well. Cool. Uh, Kirby immediately had Glidewell transferred to a different hospital to perform surgery on him. Mm-hmm. He also said, quote, this was not a surgery. This is attempted murder. This yeah. is a criminal act. He described it as the work of a, quote, craze maniac said Dunst was practically decapitating him and then told Glidewell, the patient himself, that Dunst had tried to kill him. Uh, such a surgery has, quote, not happened in the United States of America. Wow. United General Hospital pushed him out shortly after. Dr. Kirby wrote a detailed letter to the Texas State Medical Board <clears throat> where he said Dunst was a sociopath and was a, quote, clear and present danger to the citizens of Texas. Dr. Kirby contacted Dr. Henderson, who again called the Texas State Medical Board. And Henderson recorded all of these phone calls. Mm-hmm. He called the, the medical board. He called Baylor Plano and spoke to the president. And she was basically like, I, I can't tell you shit. Like, there's still an open investigation. Yeah. And he's like, cool. So you guys were supposed to protect patients and you fucking didn't. Right. And dead silent. She has nothing to say. And then she hangs up on him. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, fuck you too, bitch. Right, right. Um, so on January 31st, 2013, the Texas Medical Board was again contacted and the doctors were told it takes a long time to put an investigation together. Kirby and Henderson wanted Dunch's license suspended immediately and the lead investigator agreed. However, the board attorneys were not willing to do that, especially board member Erwin Zietzler, who said complications in neurosurgeries were more common um, than the layperson would believe. Uh, the board member also found it hard to believe that such a highly trained surgeon could be as incompetent as he was. Yeah. So they thought they were, they were these were fake reports because they're they're wow. they're that unbelievable. Yeah. Um, during the investigation, reporter Brett Ship with Channel Eight ABC got an anonymous email with the subject line saying, "Quote: Please investigate Dr. Christopher Dunst." The email went on to say that her friend was permanently injured, that she knew of two deaths and two people paralyzed, quote, but when I Google him, there's basically glowing recommendations on all the physician referral sites. The story is not gathered, uh, garnered, excuse me, media attention, and I fear he will move to a new state and do this again. Can you help us? Mm. Two hours later on the same day, he gets another email regarding Dunst. Only this time, it was from malpractice attorney Kay Van Way and was told to expect a call from Dr. Henderson. Mm. Um, So he's like, dude, two tips on the same day from two people. It's kind of a big fucking deal. So he starts putting putting a story together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Multiple victims of Dunst were attempting to file lawsuits against him, but due to the reform in 2003, they couldn't find attorneys. So in 2003, um, a reform was passed in Texas that capped male practice payouts at $250,000. What? That doesn't include economic loss. So pain, suffering, all that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, one of the attorneys, it's kind of gruesome, but he was basically like, so you have a kid and the kid goes to the hospital 
and a kid, the, the kid dies. And you go to an attorney and you're like, they fucking killed my kid. And the attorney's yeah. going to be like, cool, you're not going to get anything for economic loss because he's not working and I'm not going for a payout of 250 grand. So thanks, but no thanks. Wow. So attorneys were not willing to take the cases because they weren't going to make money off of them. Um, Kay Van Way was a gritty, no-nonsense, no-nonsense attorney who was described as always going the extra mile for her clients. She ended up taking on 14 of his patients. Mm. So four days after the reporter was contacted, Dr. Kirby wrote a detailed letter to the Texas State Medical Board. Quote, Ms. Lopez, this letter will serve as the statement you requested on Friday, June 21st, 2013 at 2.16 p.m., Regarding my first-hand knowledge of Dr. Christopher Dunch's surgical skill and medical decision-making. Attached is my sworn statement form, properly executed as you have requested. Let me be blunt. Christopher Dunch, Texas Medical License number N8183, is an impaired physician, a sociopath, and must be stopped from practicing medicine by the Texas State Medical Board immediately. He goes on to say that Chris is the most careless, clueless, and dangerous spine surgeon he has ever seen. He says him, Henderson, and another thoracic surgeon are going to urge the Dallas County DA to arrest Dr. Dunch and put him in jail because that is the only way to stop the madness. Yeah. It's your job to protect the public, and you haven't. Well, right on. Um, the board called on veteran neurosurgeon Martin Lazar to review the case, and he was scathingly critical. Uh, when asked about Dunch missing Kelly Martin's bleeding out, he said, quote, you can't not know this and be a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, board member Dr. Erwin Zetzler, same guy, explained that an investigation cannot start until they receive a non-anonymous complaint, which they did not get until late August of 2012. Mm. Um, he also stated that they they only act on actual complaints, not word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, on June 26, 2013, the Texas State Medical Board suspended Christopher Dunch's medical license. They say it took until then to uh, find, quote, the pattern of patient injury. In fall of 2013, doctors Kirby and Henderson went to the DA's office together. They classified uh, Chris as a serial killer and a serial maimer and told them, quote, if you pay attention, you'll see a pattern of illegal activity. Yeah. Nothing happened. You know what, though? That's got to be so hard for a prosecutor. Yeah, which they they later say. Um, because you're going to have to essentially teach them these surgeries mm-hmm. in a matter of an hour or yeah. two. So, so I, that's got to be... Well... I'm sure that state's attorney was probably like, what the fuck? Kirby called after a little while and was like, dude, like, my dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And the DA uh, basically was like, listen, he voluntarily gave up his license and can't practice anymore. Wh- what else do you want? I'm gonna go to and Kirby jail. was like, well, just because he doesn't have a license doesn't mean he didn't fucking hurt people. Right. So uh, attorney K. Van Way also went to the DA. I mean, fucking murder has no statutes of limitation. Right. So what the fuck? So um, she also went to the DA with her client's cases. On December 6, 2013, the Texas State Medical Board revoked Christopher Dunch's medical license altogether. Mm. Within 10 days, he had moved to Denver with his parents and filed for bankruptcy, citing $1 million in debt. Wow. 
The district attorney's office still hadn't moved forward, stating that according to Texas law, they had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt the actions were willful. Yeah. Well, that's any state. Right. Uh, the statute of limitations was set to run out in 2015. For what, though? For essentially I, the batteries that yeah, they're... Basically. Because, yeah, I mean, assault. the murders shouldn't have any statute They of couldn't go for murder because it wasn't willful. So what What are they going for? So, I'm getting there. I'm sorry. Very I'm, impatient. No, I'm, I'm into it, babe. <laughs> you should be proud of me. Um, prosecutors began invest, uh, interviewing Dunch's victims and concluded his actions were, in fact, criminal. Uh, they then obtained obtained the email from December 2011 with Dunch saying that he was going to turn into a cold-blooded killer. Uh, doctors almost never testify against each other, but doctors Kirby, Henderson, and Lazar demanded to testify when the time came. Um, per the Texas prosecutor, the new uh, assistant state's district, or the, the new assistant district attorney, Michelle Sugart, was going to be the lead prosecutor. Her and her team were initially skeptical when presented the case, but the more they looked and talked to people, they eventually um, found themselves in, quote, overwhelming disbelief that a surgeon could do what he did. Um, Brett Shipp, at this point, ended up doing a feature story on Dunst and the issues at Baylor. What was private outrage is now very public outrage. He interviewed survivors and families who all agreed um, he could have and should have been stopped before it got to this point. Chris's life started going downhill. Oh. Mm, it's so sad. Uh, in January 2014, he was pulled over at 3.30 a.m. in Denver, driving on the wrong side of the road with two flat tires. Mm. Um, drunk. Well, from Mike's Hard Lemonade. Did your vagina like that, sir? <laughs> hey, I drink that. Come on. It, and your vagina enjoys it. It's okay. <laughs> it does. It's um, tasty. There was one um, in the cup holder and one on the floor. Road soda. Uh, so he was arrested for DUI and sent to rehab. He continued to travel to Dallas to see his two sons um, in September of 2014 when he was in the hospital having um, her second child and Chris broke into the home and removed his older son right from his grandmother's arms. Uh, in October of 2014, cops were again called after Chris slapped Wendy in the face during an argument. God damn it. Sorry. In March of 2015, police were called to a bank after passerbys saw a bloody man banging on the window, yelling about his family being in danger. Uh, Dunch was taken into custody and sent to a psychiatric facility. Do you want to know what I think? Hmm. I think he's doing this on purpose. He knows he's going to go to fucking trial and he needs to look crazy. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He needs to look crazy. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. So two weeks after that incident, uh, he ended up calling the police this time after fighting with Wendy's new boyfriend. Police put in their report that Dunch was hard to follow and his story didn't always make sense. Uh, In April of 2015, Chris's father wired him money to a local Walmart. Instead of actually using the money, he shoplifted $878 worth of merchandise, including watches, silk ties, and computer shit. On his way out the door, he stopped, put on a new pair of pants, put his old pants in the cart, and walked right out the front door. (laughs) Was he caught? Yes. What a fucking idiot. Uh, Obviously, he was arrested. What a Um, idiot. Sir, are those your pants? (laughs) Like They're not my pants, man. Put, like, in the aisle, (laughs) took off his pants, put on a new pair. Go to the bathroom. Fold it is, put it nicely in the cart. 
cart and walked out the front door. You can't go to the fucking bathroom or some shit? (laughs) So, um, in May of 2015, the Texas Observer posted an article with the headline, quote, Sociopath Surgeon Arrested for Shoplifting Pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They were really nice (laughs) pants. This article also revealed that there was a previous arrest in the uh, very recent past for shoplifting, again, pants and sunglasses. Um, For some reason, he thought it was a good idea to uh, comment on this article online. Oh, (laughs) can't wait to hear this. So he said there was a conspiracy against him and doctors Kirby and Henderson, along with the attorneys, are out to get him. Dr. Kirby was like, fuck you. You ready for this? He responded and said, quote, does anyone reading this idiot Dunch's comments on the article doubt I was 100% correct in reporting him to the Texas State Medical Board? Uh, Chris, Chris continued to comment for days on the article, threatening Kirby, uh, K. Van Wey, and Doug Wan. So Kirby printed out 82 pages of comments. Oh, my God. <laughs> and brought them to the DA. Nice. And said, is this criminal? He's threatening us now. Yeah. So, um, Michelle uh, Sugar, Sugart, Sugar, I would call her Sugar. I mean, why don't, why wouldn't you? Hi. Um, she took this case on with great passion. Uh, this case was unprecedented. Unprecedented. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, a doctor had never been criminally charged because of actions in the OR. Right, right. Ever that they could find. Yeah. Now, malpractice Yes. Right. Criminal charges for actions during surgery? Never. This right. is the first time. Um, now, her quote-unquote ticket was Mary Euford. Uh, she was elderly, which means they could go for extended punishment. Yeah. Um, go for the elder yep, abuse. Yep, so that's what they did. When she took on the case, there was four months left in the statute of limitations for assault. Uh, in those four months, she was able to collect overwhelming evidence for indictment. The common threads were wrong diagnosis, poorly designed procedures executed badly, and multiple technical errors. They secured five charges of aggravated assault and one charge of injury to an elderly person. Good, good. Warrants were issued, and they sat back and they waited for Dunch to return to Texas. Mm-hmm. On July 21st, 2015, he returned to Texas and was taken into custody without issue. He looked like shit uh, and immediately thought he'd be able to talk his way out of this. Of course. He called his dad a couple times and was crying. I missed the boys. I got caught. I can't defend myself in jail. And his dad was like, okay, bye. (laughs) Good talk, son. See you later. (laughs) Deuces. Um, During his interview uh, with the police, he had slurred speech and was babbling about papers he had for the DA. Uh, He then went through every single case like he was charting. And the interview is, it's ridiculous. He's Not that police are stupid. You guys aren't stupid. But the terminology that he's using talking to these cops, they were probably like, shut the yeah. fuck up. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Just fucking Just, talk. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Layman's terms, please. <laughs> right. So, I mean, he's big fuck up. I listened to the whole thing, and there were some words that I was like, Google. Yeah. I don't know what this means. Um, he then goes on and on about how everyone else fucked him up and distracted him, and that's why he made those mistakes. He said the issues with drugs and alcohol were completely made up by other surgeons and the prosecution team. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Dr. Henderson watched his interview and said Dunch was completely detached from the reality of the situation. He couldn't understand how Dunch could continue to operate after such devastating results. Uh, Dr. Henderson said that he had counseled previous, previously counseled surgeons who had actually quit after having one devastating surgery that wasn't even close to the, the damage he caused. Um, Dr. Henderson was also in, quote, total disbelief and, quote, flabbergasted when he found out that Dunch had completed residency having performed under 100 surgeries. Like I said earlier, earlier um, he said he would have questioned 1,000 surgeries, yeah. but the average minimum was 2,500. Uh, Dunch's bond was set at 600000 His attorneys fought for a lower bond, stating he was not a flight risk, and uh, Michelle Shug Hart was like, uh, fuck you, here's a phone call of him talking to his dad, talking about getting his license back. So uh, his bond was revoked. Good, good. <laughs> um, Dunch's uh, story and face was now everywhere. D Magazine, which is where I got a lot of my stuff from, uh, published, that's what it's called, published a cover story before the trial, giving Dunch the nickname Dr. Death. Ah. On February 2nd, 2017, the trial started. Richard Franklin was uh, his court-appointed attorney, and he said that even in jail clothes, he had an air of confidence about him, and he could see how patients would trust him. The prosecution built their case around elder abuse, hoping for a conviction of life. They painted a picture of a surgeon who knew he should have stopped operating. Uh, Michelle Sugart said it really came down to the number of patients in such a short amount of time. The massive damage that he caused was beyond what the average surgeon causes in their entire career, and he did it in two years. Mm. He knowingly caused the damage. He was stopped and or instructed during multiple surgeries, but continued anyways. There's your willful. Yeah. Um, and then they said, even if he didn't intend to hurt Mary Euford, he had to have known he would have just by his actions. Yeah. Uh, the prosecution brought other victims in to testify, which the defense constantly objected, saying it wasn't fair. Uh, the lead defense attorney, Robin McClung, said it was too much outside evidence. It would be too emotional and overwhelming for the jury. No. Good. It, it, it's what they need to yeah. hear. So there were eight days of nice try. Uh, prosecution testimony. Some of the victims were telling their stories for the very first time, including Jacqueline Troy's husband. Now, he got on the stand because, again, her vocal cord was cut, yeah. and she couldn't talk above a whisper. He told of um, the pain that she was in and her stay at the hospital and became very emotional during his testimony, as did four of the jurors. Because of the testimony, the jury actually believed that Jacqueline had died. So when she walked in, they were like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they were relieved to see her walk in. Yeah. Um, his defense attorney, Robbie McClung, said that this is where she really saw it all going downhill. Yep. So Dr. Martin Lazar testified, and he went through every injury and mistake using layman's terms, making sure the jury understood everything. Mm, good. Uh, this was devastating testimony both for and to Dunch. His attorneys think that this is when he realized for the first time he was a shit surgeon. No. He knew. Yeah. Um, On the sixth day, Kim Morgan testified via Skype as she was deployed overseas with the Air Force. Uh, She described Dunst as kind and caring but could turn on a dime. She said the Summers and Martin cases were traumatizing to her and they um, made her read the, um, they call it the Occam's Razor email. 
Do you know what Occam's razor means? Mm -mm. So it's the theory that usually the simplest explanation is the actual explanation. Yeah, okay. So his attorneys argued that this was just a man venting to his girlfriend. Hmm. Have I ever told you I wanted to be a cold-blooded killer? Mm, now I've threatened to smother you, but yeah, that's different. But yeah, That's not, not cold-blooded. Not like, recently. Yeah. Um, the defense only called one witness. It was a highly regarded neurosurgeon, whose name I couldn't find, um, who explained the, quote, culture of the surgical community. He said Don sh- shouldn't be solely responsible for this, um, and it couldn't have happened without a complete system failure. Agreed. Um, on February 14th of 2017, jury deliberations began. It took them four hours to reach a verdict and one hour for sentencing. Good. Uh, Christopher Dunch was sentenced to life in prison for injury to an elderly person. Awesome. He is serving his time at Huntsville Correctional Facility outside of Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously appealing, um, yeah. and his appellate attorney is refusing all interviews. Michelle Sugart says that she is prepared to retry this trial Anytime, if need be. Oh, good job. And I, th- I left this out because I wanted to say something. I thought I wanted to say something else. That I'm awesome? No, but... Besides- oh, no, I wanted to just give, like, a quick, like, um... Oh, maybe I didn't. Oh, yeah, so Baylor, um... Michelle Sugar ends up saying that, um... Baylor changed some of their policies, um, in regards to after, reporting doctors. After this? Yes. Okay. Uh, University General closed completely, um... And um, his, so Chris's attorney, Richard Franklin, was shocked to hear that his own doctor was a doctor that was referring multiple patients to Dunch. Really? He said he thought doctors only oh, that referred. Just gave me chills. Mm-hmm, he said he thought uh, doctors only referred other doctors that they knew and trusted, and clearly that was not the case. Man, that just gave me chills. So he's in jail. He's appealing, and Fuck the him. the. Michelle Sugart's like, fucking bring it. We'll do this again. Yeah, I got sure. no problems. We'll do it again. So mm, dude, that is the story of Dr. Death. It's tough, man. Just thinking about all that shit and yeah. all the shit that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, medical malpractice mm-hmm. is out there. And, and, and malpractice is one thing, but this like, was... This is insane. He did this on purpose. Oh, he fucking knew. And I, so many times in so many different sources... Doctors were saying, is that you? Yeah, it's Leah calling me. Uh, Doctors were saying, like, he knew what he was doing. Just by seeing the mistakes that he made, he knew what he was doing. And he did the fucking opposite. Right. So, that's fucked up in and of itself. And just think there's got to be more out there like this. Oh, there has to be. Angels of death, you know. When I said I was doing Dr. Death, everybody thought I was doing Kevorkian. Yeah. See, I support Kevorkian. I, I don't I think do he too. killed anybody. No, I think I he was too. doing a service, you know? Yeah, so. I totally agree with you. And I know there's people that probably are hearing that. And, <gasps> how but dare there you? There are states yeah. now that actually allow it. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. Yeah. I mean, some of the people that I've seen in situations, like, dude. Look at, so his friend Jerry Summers. Look at him. Yeah. He was 39-year-old guy. 36-year-old guy. Yeah. Chance. Stop. And he was a quad. Who had to have his head held up in the wheelchair because it was essentially detached from his body. Yeah. Come here. So, the dog's going crazy. So, sorry if you hear the dog. He's sitting right next to me. He's getting whiny like a 
freaking kid. So that's our story on Dr. Dunched. Um, that was good. Sorry for not answering your guys' messages. I promise I'll stop being trash and I'll get better. Oh, I'm, um, I'm back. But so he, I'll, yeah, because I'll I, stay uh, on top of it. I'm, he's much better at it than I am. Yeah, I, I try sorry. to keep track of all the messages yeah. on social media, Instagram yeah. and Facebook. You do the Twitter because I don't know how yeah, to do that. I but. do. Sammy T, she's my girl in Boston. All right. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And you do the Patreon messages. I do, too, which so. I suck. I'm trash. I'll start doing. So but, uh, we have a new listener, by the way, guys. Her name yes. is uh, the Blushing Blogger on Instagram. Yes. She is actually a professional makeup artist with two teenage girls who promotes body positivity and you know good health and well being. And her site's great. Check it out. Yeah, Take a look. She sells makeup. She says, she, yeah, high-end makeup, apparently. Yeah. So. Um, I think gives tutorials. Yeah. Too, so take a look. It's she's great. She's local. She's near us. So. Yep. Just giving a shout out. And then, um, so justice for um, Brianna. Brianna. So that's now, it went from, uh, it was a page and now it's a group. Um, and every, I mean, the, the response has been insane. People, um, they're really pushing. They, they really are yeah. pushing and, and there's a lot a, coming out of it. Well, I'm having a hard time. I wasn't able to get the autopsy report. They right. gave me some bullshit that mm-hmm. the, the case is still under investigation, mm-hmm. which it's not. If on the death certificate, right. it's listed. As, now they're, they're telling Brittany it's still open yeah. but it's listed as an accidental death so, so. Th- this week is going to be fun for me because i'm going to contact the assistant yeah or the ad and let her know or the da i'm sorry and let her know that i'm gonna keep calling it right. every day they, until i hear they did just put something on the page too that uh, i believe was from one of the original reports basically saying the same thing i did like a junkie's not going to shoot up with an 18 gauge needle right especially when she had smaller needles around so uh, if you guys are on Facebook, take a look at the page. Uh, right. Justice for Brianna Nix. Get the word out. I mean, I mean as long as she we, can't say no to all of us. Yeah. And as long as we put in a big enough stink, yep. maybe something yep. will happen. Something will happen. Maybe they can get some sort of closure out of this, yeah. you know. So um, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Our next one is probably going to be a Patreon. Yeah. And then we're coming up to 40. Yeah. 40's going to be live. Yeah. We, we're, but. We're planning on doing a video recorded. Uh, yeah, not live. We can't do fucking live. That'd be, oh my no. God. Can you imagine the chaos? Yeah. Um, That's going to be a Patreon only though. Oh. Yeah. Well, how am I going to do that on the, YouTube? It's part of the tiers. How would I do that on YouTube? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But okay. that's part of the tier. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know what the fuck we're doing, though. I don't know what cases we're doing. So then you would have I'm to torn. upload it to yeah. Yeah. Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's cool. So, yeah, whatever you guys want for the 40th for our, our video recorded one, let us know. Yeah. And even the Patreon. I don't know if we have anything planned for I, Patreon. I ha- the problem is, is that I have so, like, so many that I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do that. I can't, like. Pick one. So someone has to like tell me, no, do this. Yeah. So I have to be stopped. I might do it for you. Okay. Let me see the list. Because I get very excited and then I see a squirrel and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Just give me the list and I'll 
I'll make the pick. Oh, yeah. See, here's Sarah's message. If an asshole had an asshole, I'd be that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so keep reviewing, keep liking, keep listening. Yes, please do all of that. I'm glad all you guys liked the episode with uh, Leah. Yeah. <laughs> Something different, but yeah. I hope you guys haven't like experienced that before, but... And we, I know it's we a, thought with the topic, yeah, it, it was somewhat age appropriate, right? Which I, I figured people would be like, "True crime podcast? Why are you putting a fifteen year old on there?" Yeah, I, I mean, our house is murder and mayhem, anyways. Yeah, but I figured, given the case and knowing her friends, listen, get it out there. But we we got a lot of good reviews actually did. from it. We you did know, a lot of people enjoyed hearing yeah. hearing her talk. So. Yep. I'm glad you guys did it because I, I was nervous when I was at the hospital. I knew we weren't going to yeah. be able to record. And... I was going to have mom do this one with me if you weren't home. She was very nervous. She's yeah. like, I don't know what to say. I, no offense to mom, but I don't think it would have been the same as Leah. Oh, no, no. We were going to do both. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Leah Leah did, was going to still do that one with me, but mom was going to do Dr. Dunch because we all know how she feels about shit doctors. Yeah. It would have been a very opinionated episode. Her share too. Yeah. So. so, yep. Okay. Well, like I said, next one will be a Patreon. Should be a couple days. Yeah. Um, now that I'm home, we'll get back on the ball. Yep. So, thank you guys so much. Um, Thanks. Yeah, we will be talking to you very soon. Bye. Bye.